is Hebrew Hits, presented by JTribeRadio.com. I'm your host, Malia, and I sit down with people who live by the motto, it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. Welcome to Hebrew Hits. You're listening to the 34th episode of Hebrew Hits. I'm your host, Malia, and today I have got a very special guest. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to kindly ask you if you can please go follow us on Instagram at Hebrew underscore hits on YouTube at Hebrew Hits Radio and go follow us on all your favorite streaming apps. Leave a subscription, leave a rating, and yeah, go follow us everywhere. Well, I am so excited to announce that today we have Aliza Beer on the show. Aliza Beer is a registered dietitian and she provides nutrition counseling in a private practice. Well, Aliza, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hi, Malia. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. I know that we had your son already on the show, and now we have the honor of having you. Yes, thank you, thank you. He's a tough act to follow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that you are a registered dietitian. Can you explain the difference between a nutritionist? Because I know a lot of people use the word, they're a nutritionist. So what's the difference between a nutritionist and a registered dietitian? Okay, that's a great question. So there's no legal definition for a nutritionist. Anyone can call themselves a nutritionist. You can, you're a gardener, you're the UPS delivery guy can call himself a nutritionist. Anyone can just call themselves a nutritionist. A registered dietitian is someone that has to complete a specific set of requirements. So you need to have a bachelor's. In that bachelor's, you need to take most of the sciences, bio, physics, chemistry, a lot of nutrition classes then you need to complete usually a nine to 12 month internship. And that those, the internship usually encompasses clinical, community, food service. And then you need to take an RD exam, kind of similar to let's say someone who's taking an accountant who's taking the CPA exam. So that, that is what you need to become a registered dietitian. In addition to being a registered dietitian, I also have my master's in nutrition. I think that is actually going to become a requirement shortly. I forgot if it's going to be in the year 2021 or 2022, where in order to be a registered dietitian, you need to complete a master's as well. Oh, well, and nutritionists don't need to go through that kind of schooling. Nutritionists don't have to do anything. Wow. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you. There is no no training or education. There's no legal definition for nutritionists. What inspired you to go into nutrition and become a registered dietitian? Okay, so I have always been passionate about health and nutrition, and my role model was my mother. She raised us in a super healthy home. She was always interested, always reading up about nutrition and food and and the way the way food will affect your health. It was not in vogue then. This is many years ago when I was growing up, and she was constantly reading about it, Prevention Magazine. I grew up with her reading Prevention Magazine and other um, sources of nutrition. So she raised a super healthy. It happens to be a lot of her diet hacks I currently use in my practice now. So that was definitely a big inspiration for me. Back then when you were growing up, were there a lot of mothers that were very into health or? No, nobody, nobody at all. So, and she's, my parents are Holocaust survivors. So it was unusual but um, yeah, and that was, uh, she was my, you know, first inspiration. I would That's say. amazing. So yeah. was her mother also, I'm just trying to find out how she came up with the whole health. Even I don't know, you know what? I don't even know what inspired her. 
Yeah. To always, but she, that's the, you know, that's the way she raised us. Very, very healthy, very clean. When you treat people, when you treat your right. clients, do you just want to see people for weight loss or do you help people with many different areas? Okay. So I help people with many health issues. Now, yes, the bulk of my practice is for weight loss, but I see many, many diabetics, a various amount of GI issues like IBS, Crohn's, celiac, ulcers, reflux. Physicians refer to me all the time. Not only do they refer to me that I have been blessed that so many physicians have become my clients. So that's really nice. That's so awesome. But I see many, many, you know, people with all different kinds of health issues. Usually someone who's a diabetic or has heart disease or some kind of GI issue, very often they need to lose weight as well. Like that kind of ties in together. And usually when they lose the weight, a lot of these issues like sleep apnea and of course, blood sugar and blood pressure and cholesterol come down and normalize. So they kind of go hand in hand for the most part. So when you get a client like that comes knocking on your door who may have, let's say, any of these, um, let's say, diabetes or IBS, right. do you have to do a lot of research into their specific case? Because each person seems so different. Like you have to know a lot about what they're really going through. Right. So first I have to sit down with them and, of course, go through their medical history and what medications they're on and their food allergies and their likes and their dislikes and also their lifestyle. I have to customize the diet for each person. Some, mm-hmm. some people are still commuting. Some people are working from home. Some people have to eat on the train, on the car or whatever it is. I have a lot of teachers that I work with and we have to kind of, and now, especially with the masks, you know, during this situation, we have to kind of work around the situation in order for them to get in their meals and their snacks and so on. So I definitely have to customize it and, Medications also play a role. Food and medications do interact. So you have to be careful. There's certain medications where the patient needs to avoid certain foods. Otherwise, it will interact with that medication and it may not be absorbed properly. I'm so happy that you bring up the medication aspect because a lot of people, as I didn't really either know before I spoke with you, that there is a big difference between a nutritionist and a registered dietitian. And a regular nutritionist, you would say they wouldn't know maybe the effects of different medications that have with food that they're eating, but a registered dietitian really knows and really has to make sure that she knows. Right. You have, it's so important. It's, It's dangerous not to understand the science behind the food and how it interacts with the medications, with other various, you know, issues that someone has, different health issues. So it's very important to, you know, be educated and be informed. And very often the patient is not even informed. They're like, for example, um, the statins. The statins is a group of medications for someone that has high cholesterol. When someone is on a statin, they're not supposed to eat grapefruit. That's just one example, because the grapefruit and the statin kind of compete for the same site in the body to be absorbed. So there are sometimes the doctors and physicians will tell their patients to avoid the grapefruit. Sometimes they're remiss and they forget to inform them. So I, you know, very often I'm the one that's telling, well, you can't have a grapefruit together with your Lipitor. That's going to be a problem. Then you're not, your body's not going to be absorbing the Lipitor. You'll have a higher concentration of Lipitor running around in your system and not getting what you need from that medication. So it's, you know, we kind of have to do the timing of meals and the timing of food is also important. That's so interesting. And that's incredible how much you have to know and how much research you have to do on each specific patient. Now, let me ask you this question. 
imagine a patient comes to you and let's say they say, let's say they're from the five towns, right? And they say, okay, I am obsessed with Holy Schnitzel. Let's say, if you know, it's right here on Central Avenue. And it's also great to go to Holy Schnitzel because there's parking. Like it's not hard. And your patient says, I love Holy Schnitzel. I love getting their sandwiches and their chicken's so good. And I love the vegetables. I love the sauces. You know, people love sauces. And they come to you and they're like, I'm not ready right now to cut out, let's say, this part, this out of my life. How would you help them? Like allow them to still eat it, but try to like help them in that situation. So I do, I do teach my clients how to eat out, you know, how to eat out, how to order in, um, that they shouldn't feel like they cannot go to Holy Schnitzel or they cannot go to whatever food establishment because they're on a diet. Almost always there's something on the menu that you could eat. So I kind of teach them that how to, how to search for the best options on the menu. And then sometimes you know, to mindfully indulge and to have that, you know, schnitzel sandwich or whatever it is, but not on a daily basis. So we, I have to teach them. It depends also what, what they're up to, where they're coming to me from, you know, sometimes we have to take baby steps and gradually change over. Some, some people can really just completely turn their food and their diet around. You know, like really like overnight, you're saying like really like overnight. Some people could do it overnight and some people, we just have to do it gradually. And that's fine too. What, you know, wow. every person is an individual and has to be treated as such. It's not one size fits all for everyone. Right. Wow. That's so interesting. That's very, so really what I'm hearing from you is each patient is such an individual. It's not like there's just the common thread for everybody that everybody does the same. Each patient is a separate, basically entity in its, in itself. In itself. Exactly. Right. So that's wow. why it's not, you know, one size fits all. And I have to you know, make, we have to make compromises and I have to, it has to work for the person. So that's what I try to do. I try to make my program as realistic as possible that the, my, the clients should view it as a way of life, not as a diet, because if it's, if they feel deprived, if it's too restrictive, they're not going to be able to sustain it. It's unrealistic for them to sustain it for a long period of time. So I want them really to make it a way of life and, and that's why we have to, they have to, there's certain things on Shabbos, for example, Shabbos mm-hmm. will never look like Monday or Tuesday. It just won't. But, but the better you are or the cleaner or the healthier you are over Shabbos, the less of a gain you'll have during the week. So we just, we have to work, you know, everything, it's a balancing act and you have to look at the whole picture. Right. And you treat it like day by day, each day. As- day by day. You know, I usually... With the client, after we go through the medical history, I'll, I'll ask them what they're eating now. I want to get an idea, again, of their lifestyle, you know, how they're commuting, what they're doing, they're working, they're not working, what kind of, what kind of work they do, uh-huh. and what they're eating now. And then I take that information, and that's how I customize a plan for them. And I give them options for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We discuss shoppers. We discuss going to weddings. You know, none of us are going to to that many weddings or, or events mm-hmm. now, but how to, how to navigate through something like that. And of course, you know, going out to eat as well, because I want them to be able to live a full life. You know, there's also a quality to life. You know, you should be able to go out and enjoy yourself as well. Right. For sure. So now that we're in this situation with coronavirus and, you know, people are doing a lot of things over zoom, how are you adapting your practice to the current situation that we're in? And do you find that it's easier or harder for someone to lose weight due to the circumstances? Okay, so first, I have always, this is pre-Zoom, like in the dark ages, Mm pre-Zoom. 
I've been practicing for about 15 years. I would say I always had a virtual component. The virtual component or population, I should say, about 25 to 30% of my practice was always virtual. We did it over the phone. I have had clients for all these years all over the country. I've maintained a steady following on the West Coast. I've had in Boston, Miami, Chicago, Israel, all over. And we always did it over the phone. And now since you know the advent of Zoom, so I do a lot of Zoom now as well, even, even local five towns um, clients. Some, you know, some people are not comfortable coming back into the office in person. So we Zoom, you know, whatever works. I would say now a good 40% of my clients are Zoom phone. So, wow. And it but it hasn't, right? It, it works. Before. They're just, they've always been just as successful. If you want it, you will, you will attain it. Like if you're, if, if, you're committed and you're focused, you will totally achieve your goals. It does. You don't have to come into my office and get on my scale. Right. For sure. And it's amazing how you already had the virtual component. So it wasn't like right. a drastic change. It was not at, for me, not at all. Like, I mean, as soon as we were shut down, I switched everyone over to phone. And then, you know, we really just started Zooming. I went back into the office in June. But, um, you know, I have so, so many, so many new Zoom clients all over. And in terms of how, how people, you know, are adapting to this situation. So for me, it was not much of a transition at all because I was accustomed to doing virtual, but I would say definitely the first few months, you know, of lockdown, a lot of people gained weight, um, which was understandable because people were home, people were stressed, but, um, but there, there's, a, there's a silver lining to the situation. And this is what I tell my clients. The silver lining is, you're not running to 10 weddings a week and shave a and up and the kiddishes and all of the, all of those things that go with it and all of the parties. You don't have these social obligations or very minimal social obligations. So it's easier. You're more in control. You know, it's hard when you go out and you're in that situation, you have limited control over what is, you know, what is being served to you. You're, you're in total control over what you bring into your house and put into your mouth. It's not always easy. And there are other people living in the house and they have their, their wants and their requirements and their needs. So it's sometimes you have to kind of avoid their food. But um, that is the silver lining, that you have more control. And there's a lot more home cooking going on, I think. So, um, you know, it's, there are pros and cons to this situation, but I, people have been doing great. Like since, you know, since we've emerged out of lockdown, people really have gotten back on and they've been losing and, I don't, I'm, I'm finding that people are really motivated and you know, they want to feel normal and in control again. And it's good that you're able to find that silver lining because a lot of people are just thinking negative, negative, negative thoughts about 2020. And for, you're able to show your clients and your patients that, no, there's a silver lining in this. It makes them feel good. And like, okay, we're going to do this. We're actually going to, we're going to get our, our weight back on track and we're going to get healthier. Right. So that's what I tell them that if, if COVID has taught us anything, mm-hmm. taught the whole world is that there are a lot of things in this life that we have no control of. Mm-hmm. And COVID is one of them. Right. What you eat, you have total control over what you put into your mouth. So you just want to seize the control. That's you, you have it. You've just got to seize it. It's not always easy. It's always easier to, to say yes to yourself, to your child, to your friend, that it's much harder to say no. But 
you'll feel good when you do it. Sometimes you have to say no to your child. You can't, we can't have everything we want when we want. This is like, this is life. Life, you have to make choices. That's not a bad thing to have to make a choice. Right. It's so true. Now, why do you think that you are extremely successful and can you define the word success from your point of view? Okay, so success, I think that success is not just someone achieving their goal, but is maintaining the goal. So what I try, and I mentioned this earlier, I try to make my program as realistic as possible, that someone should view it as a way of life, not as a diet, but they can sustain it. I think a lot of the fad diets that are out there are very restrictive. People will lose very quickly but then they'll rapidly regain the weight because once they, once they kind of revert back to their bad old habits, they're going to gain back the weight so fast because now the body's no longer accustomed to meta- to metabolizing those kinds of foods. I, from almost from the very beginning, I start introducing things like a diet ice cream or other like kind of like little treats almost from day one because it's not normal never to treat yourself. Like I do, I tell people, my clients know I have chocolate every day. I love dark chocolate, that's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I'm not into bread and pasta, but I love chocolate. I would not I would not live a day without it. So if somebody tells you, if you, some fat diet tells you that you have to promise, I know that there's one, you have to promise to give up something for the rest of your life. That's that, that makes no sense. I know people could lose a hundred pounds, you know, eating mindful, indulging mindfully, like there's no reason. So that's what I really, I try to address that it should be a normal way of life. And that's why I think that my clients are able to sustain it and make it a way of life because they know, yes, they, they learn from me how to mindfully indulge, that they could go out to the restaurant and have a little extra something here or there and know exactly, exactly what to do if it starts to go up on the scale, how to balance it out. So that's, right. you know, it, you, you don't want a short-term success. You want long-term success. And that's really what I try to teach my clients. Now, before you became a nutritionist, has there been any other career that you have wanted to go into? So I always wanted to be a doctor since I was like nine or 10. That was, that was for me. Like I love science. I call myself a science geek. Um, that's my passion. That's my love. I was never really interested in like history and English. It was always science and math as well. So I was going to be a doctor through college. I was pre-med and I was of course taking all the sciences. And then I just decided that it's, it's a hard, it's a hard long road, especially for a woman. And I wanted to get married and have a family. And I felt like maybe I wouldn't really be there for them if I would be a doctor. And I just made the decision to find another path within that science health realm. And then I just, you know, again, my mother was an inspiration for me and I just, and it was not also not like in vogue. It wasn't, you know, something that you heard of that often a registered dietitian, but I kind of just fell into it and I'm so happy and thrilled with it. What kind of doctor did you want to be? So I, I always wanted to do something happy <laughs> when I was, when I was thinking about it, my goal was really to be an OBGYN. I said, Oh, I would just love to bring babies into wow. this world. That was, you know, that was, that was my thinking then. I don't know if it would have changed in mm-hmm. you know, med school or residency, but that was my thinking when I was pre-med. Wow. And do you ever think like what life would have been like if you actually went that path? I do. I do sometimes. Um, I don't know, you know, like I'm happy. I don't have regrets. 
I'm just, you know, curious what, what would have been the alternative. Right. So, um, you know, I don't think that there it's necessarily was a wrong decision. Like, I think there's no wrong decision here. They were both right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that I love. I love to help people and I love to teach them to be healthy. So either way, you know, I would be on that same path. Right. So you talk about that you love to teach people how to be healthy. Is it like difficult for you to implement these same health rules in your own home? Like how do your children like feel about it? Do they want candy? Do they want to eat like just different right. kinds so of you food? You know, I have three boys, so I'm the mother of only boys and they have to, you know, I raised them very healthy. Like my mother did. I'm not telling you that there was, there is no candy or there was never candy, but they love fruits and vegetables because that's how they were raised from day one. So that's what was in the house. That's what I gave them for snacks. Every meal consists of salad and or roasted vegetables. So they love it. That doesn't mean that they never have like a burger and French fries. They do, they're guys. And I'll never tell them that they can't. But for the most part, again, you have to look at the big picture. Um, for the most part, they do eat healthy. So it was never, it was never hard because that's, that's, that's all they know. That's how they were raised. And that doesn't mean that they don't have this um, cake on Shabbos and, you know, or ice cream or, you know, stuff like that. But they have fruit and vegetables every single day. Wow. Now, two questions on that. When children are little, like if they do something good, the mom would give them a lollipop or a candy. Did you also give your children candy? And the second question I have for you is your husband. He wasn't brought up like this. Your kids, this is what they know. But your husband, how does he feel about like, does he also enjoy the healthy type of home? So, okay. So let's start with the kids. Um, did I give them, I mean, there were lollipops, there were cookies, but I, I wouldn't say I rewarded them. Like if you fall, here's a cookie, you'll feel, feel better kind of a thing. I don't think I ever rewarded them with food. I mean, it was available there if they felt like it, but not too much, not in excess. And that's not what they really saw me eating. You know, children also like to copy they like to emulate their, I have this with so many of my clients. They said, oh, now like, you know, my kids are eating my, my, my eggs and my fish and, my, and they want my, my broccoli because when they see the parents eating something, they want to eat it too. Oh, that must be good. You know, mommy's eating it kind of thing. So no, I never, I never had that with the kids and with my husband. So he wasn't raised, um, he was, he's also for, from a a kind of a similar background in that his parents are survivors as well. So a European kind of home like me, but his mother, who ha- my mother-in-law happens to be an amazing cook. She taught me actually. My mother was the health one, but my mother-in-law is a very good cook. She's the one that taught me how to cook. She wasn't so into health, but uh, it wasn't an unhealthy. I don't think the homes from my generation were unhealthy. We weren't bombarded with all of these snacks and processed foods like you have now. All the homes were pretty clean, you know, maybe there was some, and I didn't grow up with soda, maybe his home, you know, had some soda or some, you know, candy and definitely some cake. But for the most part, it wasn't like it is today with all of the bars and the snacks and, and the chips and that kind of stuff. We didn't, we didn't have that. It wasn't available to us. So he's, you know, he likes healthy food. He likes unhealthy food too. He's also a guy, a meat and potatoes kind of a guy. <laughs> But he loves, you know, roasted vegetables, you know, and, and fish, which I'm a super, super advocate of fish. 
and eggs and like he'll eat all the hell he'll eat everything you're <laughs> saying you're an advocate eat. like fish as a protein over like fish a is a great meat. protein yeah it's just so lean you know i i encourage people to eat a little bit less red meat i don't um tell them to eliminate it but we should we should minimize it it is you know much more fattening and not as healthy and will clog the arteries you know if you eat it in excess so we need to we definitely as a country we need to reduce the amount of red meat that we're eating. Right. And, but do you feel that fish really fills you up like meat? Like when I eat meat, I'm stuffed till I hear right. when I eat fish, I'm like, I'm still a little hungry. Right. It doesn't fill you up as much, but it's so healthy for you. The omega-3 fatty acids are super healthy, amazing for you. And you should get, I mean, if you, there are people that don't eat fish. There are plenty of people that have come to me over the years that don't eat fish. We work around it. Sometimes they'll eat tuna fish um, sometimes they'll eat eggs. So I kind of use that as like an alternative. It's just like a, a, a very good protein that's lighter than the meat, but, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to fill you up as more, as much. It's okay not to feel full. Yeah. You shouldn't feel hungry, but it's okay not to feel full. <laughs> Don't <laughs> be afraid. A, that's a good point. Um, do you have any specifics now that we're on the fish topic? I like this, this topic. Is there a specific fish that's healthier than the other that you would recommend? Salmon is the king. Salmon is the king of the fish. Really? Salmon is just the easiest to make and most people like it the best. I mean, I like a lot of other fish. There's certain fish I won't eat. There's certain bottom feeders I won't eat. I'm a little bit of a fish snob. But basically, I eat salmon, sea bass, and bronzino. But in my house, it's just salmon is the easiest to make. And it really is one of the healthiest fish. But when we go out, then I'll get a bronzino or a sea bass, you know, as a treat. You're making me in the mood of fish. I think I'm going to make fish oh, for lunch. Good. Like I have salmon in the freezer. Maybe I'll like, I pop it in the oven. You don't know how much salmon we go through a week. It's great. I mean, now that everyone is home, you know, I've never cooked <laughs> so much in my entire life. But oh my gosh. Is it unhealthy though? I heard to eat too much fish is unhealthy. So you need to watch the mercury. I've actually, I've actually uh, diagnosed mercury poisoning where a few doctors missed it in a patient. Oh, wow. So, yes. They sent her for a brain MRI and they didn't find anything. And when she came and she told me about it and I asked her what her symptoms were. And I said to her, I think you might have mercury poisoning. She, she was shocked that two doctors, her internist or their neurologist and a, and a, her internist and her neurologist missed it. And because I told her this, she asked them for a blood test and she had mercury poisoning. So you do have to be careful. You do. I mean, I grew up eating tuna six days a week, Mike, and I never got mercury poisoning, but I don't, the guidelines are not to have it more than three times a week now. So I control myself and I try not to have it more than three or four times. So you have right. to be careful. That's good that you say so three or four depends. times. It depends, you know, if somebody's in ch- of childbearing age, you have to be more careful if they're going to get pregnant. It depends, you know, who you are, what stage you are in life. Right. I heard tuna that you can't have more than twice a week, and I was always nervous. But now that you're saying three or four times, that's, you could that's do better. Three. You could do three, but just, you know, be careful with it. Don't have it right. sick like I used to. Um, but I also have a food line in Gourmet Glath, which is another thing that um, we didn't touch upon that I do try. It's funny. Um I, I came up with it only to help my clients. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, uh, you know, people would say I need something fast on the go and stuff like that. So that's why I came up with this food line in gourmet glass that, um, that is portion controlled and doesn't have any sugar or white flour. 
Um, I also have a sushi roll in Gourmet Glad. I don't know if you ever had it or if you know about it. Tell me more. Yes. That's so, so sushi, cool. Because sushi is something that we also, we have to be careful with the amounts of rice and stuff like that. So I have the sushi roll. Uh, what does the, the Aliza beer sushi roll look like? So it's half the amount of bread and rice that they typically use for other rolls. It's cooked salmon because that's what I like. I don't eat raw fish, but there's nothing wrong with raw fish as long as you're not pregnant. Um, it's cu- uh, cooked salmon, cucumber, asparagus, and mango with a drop of sweet sauce, but you could get it with, with or without the sweet sauce. It's very good. I like so it. So no spicy mayo. So that's because I don't like spicy mayo. I always like cook what I like, what I like to eat, um, but you could. So when I have my clients and they would like my roll, but they want it to be a, uh, like a raw tuna or a spicy or a spicy mayo, they could swap it. Like they could go to the guys in Gourmet Glad and, and Simply Sushi and they can say, give me a raw Aliza beer roll or give me a spicy tuna Aliza beer and the rest of the components, the rest of the roll will remain the same. There'll be half the amount of brown rice and the, you know, cucumber and the mango and the asparagus and that stuff. Yeah. So tell me your tricks. How do I get the Malia roll at Simply Sushi? (laughs) (laughs) You have to go to school and become a registered dietitian and, and then work with the guys and develop a role. So, uh, wow. It can't just be like, oh, I have a podcast. Let's do the Molly roll. I, I feel know, like people like yes. this. Maybe, maybe they'll, they'll accommodate you. That's so uh, cool. Really, I really did it for my, you know, for my people, but then it becomes, it just became a bigger thing. I once had one guy, um, knock on my door in my, mm-hmm. of my office. He happened to be in the building for a meeting with someone else. He knocked on my door just to tell me he, I, we, ne- we had never met before to tell me that he lost 40 pounds just eating my meals and going to the gym. And that's all. Wow. Yeah. So that was so nice to hear. That's an, are your meals hot meals or they're like in the freezer? So there's both. There's no, they're not in the freezer. They're in the fridge. They're like some salads with like chicken and stuff like that. And then they're, a lot of them are hot. They're microwavable safe, the uh, containers that they're in. So you just pop it in the microwave and you, and know, you have someone making it, yeah? Like you're not saying they're making it for me in, in Gourmet Glad, yeah. Wow, that is such an accomplishment. How do you feel about that? Great, great. It's been, you were going to be revamping it and putting some new things out there. You know, you have to change it up. People get bored, of course. Um, so uh, yeah, it's it's doing great. I'm very proud of it. So if I go to Gourmet Glot, let's say I go to Gourmet Glot today, I could go and I, it says the Aliza Beer salad. No, it says Aliza. healthy meals to go approved by Aliza Beer. Wow. Yeah. So That is so cool. Yeah, it's great. We have soups. We have meals. It's nice. We have some sides. Well, I'm Especially so now soup weather, you know, it's cool outside. It's good to have, you know, you have to be careful. Sometimes some places are sneaking in sugar and flour into into soups just to make them taste better. So you have to be careful with some prepared foods. I'm so impressed. Well, the mantra of our show is it's what you do with what you have that makes a difference. How can you apply this mantra to your life? So I guess what I have is really like a love of helping people. So I, and some knowledge, you know, nutrition and the science of food. And I really just use that love and that knowledge to empower other people. That's what I want to do. I want to inform and educate people that they should feel empowered to seize control 
of their eating, of, of whatever health issue that they have, that they can turn it around and, and to help them, you know, live a healthy, longer life and a higher quality life where they feel better. I've had so many people that come to me with sleep apnea, for example, as soon as they lose the weight and they're eating more healthy, they, they're getting off the machines. I have diabetics that literally this happens time and time again, that the first week with me, they cut their insulin in half. This goes, I warn them actually, the first day I meet with the diabetic, I said, you're probably going to need to cut your insulin in half this week. And they're amazed by it, how good their blood sugar is. So like, I just, you know, that, that's my love is to help people and to just get informed and educate them. Wow. There's, I know that diabetes could cause so many problems. It could cause yes. kidney failure, heart trouble. So before people even get into serious trouble with their health, if they knew that they come to you and you could actually help them, that would be in, incredible. It could save their life even. Right, right. Yeah, no, I mean, so thank God. That's why, you know, I'm not, I don't have the regrets of not becoming the doctor because I do feel like I am helping, helping people in my own way. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's been great. It's been no, that's incredible time. because let's say, let's say dialysis patients, right? If they're going, let's say before they get to dialysis, kidney people, like let's people, people have kidney failure. Right. The people who own the dialysis centers would say, oh, you're going to be on dialysis anyways. But if they knew that there was someone there that actually wanted to help them and improve their health, right? that would, you, you're saving their life so rather than these dialysis n- Nutrition ha- will, pr- you know, good, good diet will help prevent so many diseases, Wow. Yeah. And we're the, we're the most overweight country in the whole world. So I feel like I need to come see, to <laughs> see you now. Like I need to get my health in check. Like, I don't know if I'm eating right. I don't know what I'm do- if I'm doing the right thing. I have some people that just come, well, that don't necessarily need to lose weight. They just want to know, are they eating healthy? They just want to go through their, you know, what they're eating with me and kind of make a good plan and get set themselves on the right road in terms of that. Not everyone. And then there are some people that need to just lose five pounds or, or right. some people need to lose more. Some people don't need to lose weight. It's, they have reflux, you know, whatever it is, they're happy, you know, they have IBS or Crohn's and it's not being managed properly. So, um, you know, that makes a big difference in people's lives too. There's some people that have a hard time leaving the house sometimes because they have to be near a bathroom. So helping them manage, you know, their IBS or Crohn's is a, you know, tremendous to their quality of life. Right. And do you feel being a registered dietitian that let's say you have clients and patients that come in, do you feel like just because you're skinny doesn't mean that you're healthy? A hundred percent. Yes. And then I have some of those, I have a lot of teenagers. I mean, I start working with kids when they're like nine, 10 years old, but I do have a lot, a large teenage um, high school, let's say population. And sometimes the girls want to get too low and then, and then I have to be the voice of reason and, and warn them that if you get too low, that they're, there are many, many consequences to that later on in life that it could disrupt their fertility later on in life if they if they get too low now in high school. So, wow. you know, there's a lot, you know, I have to teach them how to eat healthy. And right. you can, but you could be skinny and not healthy 100%. And then I have those that need to gain some weight, you know, or that have a disordered relationship with food and that we have to work on that, that they should have a healthier relationship with food. Right, and a lot of people come and tell me, I have one family member who's like, I can eat whatever I want. I don't gain weight. I'm like, what do you mean? They just can't gain weight. So I don't know how, like, let's say you would have a patient that comes to you and they're like, oh, we can't gain weight, but we need to. 
Right. So I do. I have people that, that come to me to gain weight, but I don't give them frappuccinos and a bag of, you know, Lay's potato chips to gain the weight. We use healthy fats. And, you know, and I, first I have, again, I have to hear what they're eating now and make, obviously make changes and we gain it through healthy fats, basically. And, you know, healthy proteins and, and uh, complex carbs and stuff like that. Right. So I, I know that you said in the beginning of the interview that some advice that you give your clients is that we are not in control of anything, right? right. That's the, what, that's what we learned from COVID. Right. So has this been the best advice you've given? And if not, what other advice have you given? So, well, one is to seize control that you have control. You have to decide. I would say a few, like there are a few pieces of advice that I give my clients. One is, you know, not to look back just to look forward. Like that's the most important thing. Don't beat yourself up. You know, it happens on a yuntip or on a vacation. One bad meal shouldn't, shouldn't elicit a bad week. That's you had, you had, you had not a great meal. You get yourself back on, right? You ride a bike, you fall off the bike, you get yourself back on. Someone's driving a car. They're in God forbid a car accident. You got to get yourself back into the car. Like, don't be afraid. Don't get thrown off. There are always bumps in the road. Life isn't perfect. There are going to be bumps. Some weeks are better than other weeks. Some days are better than other days. The most important thing is to get back on. So don't look back, just look forward. It's not irreversible. You can do it. I have a lot of people that will come to me and they're afraid. They're afraid to go on the scale. They're afraid to see the number. It's fine. I don't want anyone to be stressed or upset and they don't want to look at the number. They don't have to. I'll just tell them like each week how much they're losing and so on. But I always tell people, especially when you when you reach your goal and you're and I send you off that don't be afraid to weigh yourself that and in general with everything in life, ignorance is bliss and knowledge is power. And you want to seize the power and don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid of it. It's not going to hurt you. It's only going to help you. So that's what, you know, I think that's a big deal. And that I include that in like weighing yourself. People should weigh themselves now and again, not, not say, Oh, I'm afraid of the scale. It's not going to hurt you weigh yourself. Then you see what's, if you see that you're creeping back up, you know, if you're regaining back your weight, then you know, then you'll know what to do. But if you don't, if you're, if you're afraid of it, if you ignore it, you're not going to be able to, to change anything or to modify it or to uh, turn it around, so to speak. Like if you see that it's happening, that something is going in the wrong direction, then you're able, but if you don't see that happening, how could you turn it around? I like that advice. You know, ignorance is bliss, but knowledge is power. And you always want to seize the power. That's very powerful. Not only with nutrition, with everything in life, right. people, people who are, are scared of stuff, they try to pretend it's not there. So we right. don't see it. So it's not there. Right. But once you accept it and you take it and you're like, okay, I'm going to become empowered because of this. I'm going to take control of this. Right. Then you're able to actually, and once they actually do, I, I feel once they actually take control, they'll feel so much better than hiding yes. away and saying it's not there. Right. And does it, you know, someone had once said to me, there, there, there are no problems. There are only solutions. And that's right. And that's how you have to embrace everything. Any difficulty in life or anything that's not going the way you had planned, you have to just say, we're going to find a solution to this. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Right. Before we go, I'd like to ask you, if you, if you don't mind, would you want to share an inspiring story that happened with you in work, maybe with you in a patient or something inspiring. Okay. So once somebody emailed me a former, a former client with a story, he had, he must've lost at least like 65, 70 pounds. I don't remember exactly. And he emailed me this years, years after we had worked together. Um, He emailed me, he worked in jewelry or something. And then 
some customers had come in one day and they're looking around and he's asking you, can I help you? And they're like, oh, we're just looking, whatever. And then they said, oh, you know, finally, like they kept like ignoring his help. And they said to him, finally, they said, you know, we were here like a year or two ago and there was this very nice young man that helped us. We really like him. Can you please, you know, go find him for us? We really want him to help us. And he said, no, I was that guy. They didn't recognize him because he had lost so much weight. They were like, you know, astounded at what he looked like and they completely did not recognize him. And he said, you know, I just want you to know, like I feel so good about myself and I'm still maintaining. And, you know, so stories like that, I love to hear. Well, yeah. so is that a, like a type of client that is a recurring client that just keeps no, 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 I haven't heard. You know, he sent me right. that you know email years after we worked together. He was still. I've had a lot of a lot of girls that are single that were very. I'm not talking about five pounds, but that really needed to lose a significant amount of weight, and then they did, and then they got married. You know, they got engaged and married. I went to one. She was she was an older single, you know, she was over 30, let's say, and she and I went to her wedding and I remember somebody from her family who knew who I was because I don't, you know, I can't discuss any patient, you know, I'm governed by the same laws of HIPAA, just like a mm-hmm. doctor. And somebody in the family came over to me and she goes, you know, this is all because of you. She goes, he would never have looked at her before. This is all because of you. And I said, no, she did the hard work, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm just I'm just there to support, but you know, it feels great. It really does. So, you know, these kinds of stories keep me going every day. That's, that's really incredible. Now, Aliza, people want to contact you, right? They want to set up an appointment. How would they do so? Okay. So they can email me, alizabeer at gmail.com, A-L-I-Z-A-B-E-E-R at gmail.com. They can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram handle is at alizabeer. They can go on my website, alizabeer.com. And those are the best ways, but email is the best, but they should definitely follow me on Instagram during COVID when we were locked down. I did some Insta lives to kind of help people and keep them upbeat and, you know, help them through that, you know, dark period of time. So, you know, whenever I see something interesting, I try to post it on Instagram, any new products, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, show what I'm eating, you know, that I go out and then I'll show it that I'll indulge a little bit and, you know, so on. They, they should know that I'm human, I'm a normal, and, you know, they could be that way too and not feel deprived or restricted and be able to have a good quality, you know, good, well-rounded quality of what of life. I do love your Instagram stories when you post like different food. I love zucchini and squash and I see that you do that a lot. You nice. squash. Yeah. And I love them. Vegetables. Like- yeah, I love vegetables and there are always lots of veggies in this house especially Friday afternoon. That's all I'm doing is roasting vegetables for Shabbos. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, so let them follow and enjoy. And I have people that are not clients that will DM me questions and mm-hmm. it's my pleasure to help them. I also write for the Jewish home. I write articles. I've been writing for them since the beginning mm-hmm. when they first published. It's been so many years already. I don't remember how many years. And then I do have a new salad coming out, but I don't know if I can if I can promote it yet, I have a new salad coming to a new place in the five towns. So spill the tea, spill the tea. <laughs> so uh, so be on the lookout of my Instagram for that. Is it going to be called the Eliza Beer Salad? It'll be the Eliza Beer Salad. Yeah. Wow, you are really, really, really amazing. You're incredible. It's all just to help people, help make their lives a little bit easier. You know, 
you can't always be cutting and chopping in the kitchen. Sometimes you need to be able to pick up something and you should have that ability to do so. Right, for sure. Well, thank you so much, Aliza Beer, for being on the show today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you so much. I am going to link all of Aliza's contact information in the description below. Make sure to go follow her on Instagram, check out her website, and go send her an email and set up a phone call with her. She's an incredible lady. Well, thank you so much for being here on Hebrew Hits. If you like what you just heard, please go follow us on Hebrew Hits. Instagram at Hebrew underscore hits. We're available on Facebook. We're also on YouTube at Hebrew Hits Radio. Follow me on LinkedIn, Molly Fivelson. I post amazing content and I will be posting every single updated episode. And follow us on all your favorite streaming apps, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, all your favorite streaming apps. Well, that was Elisa Beer. Thank you so much. And we'll be back next week, same time, same place. Have a good night.